You're listening to Rock of Ages, where I introduce my theater kid friends to my favorite classic rock albums. And when we look at a concert album or a rock opera, they introduce me to their favorite musicals. Today we're talking about the Beach Boys Pet Sounds. With me I have Romy and Paul. (laughs) That was indeed a pet sound. Thank you, Paul. Tried my best. Yeah. Well, what about you, Romy? Do you have a pet sound for tonight's occasion? Uh, Moo? Uh, You know what? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) No, cows are pets. Uh, There's probably some farmer out there who has a cow as a pet. Yeah. Yeah, It makes sense. Okay. Uh, meow? Just like the famous character Sonic the Cat from the hit movie Jack's films. Or like the famous cow from Barnyard. Ah, uh, yes, oh, mm, yeah. cow. I assume that's you what you were you're referencing. Off okay, we got, I got it, we got it, we got to continue on here. Pet Sounds is the 11th studio right. album by American rock band The Beach Boys, released on May 16th, 1966, by Capitol Records, produced by Brian Wilson. In the genres are Baroque Pop, Progressive Pop, Chamber Pop, Psychedelic Pop, Sunshine Pop, and Art Pop. And from All Music Review, Richie Unterberger. The best Beach Boys album and one of the best of the 1960s, the group here reached a whole new level in terms of both composition and production, layering tracks upon tracks of vocals and instruments to create a richly symphonic sound. Conventional keyboards and guitars were combined with exotic touches of orchestral strings, bicycle bells, buzzing organs, harpsichords, flutes, theremin, Hawaiian-sounding string instruments, coke cans, barking dogs, and more. It wouldn't have been a classic without great songs, and this was some of the group's most stunning melodies, as well as lyrical themes which evoke both the intensity of newly born love affairs and the disappointment of failed romance, add in some general statements about loss of innocence and modern day confusion as well. The spiritual quality of the material was enhanced by some of the most gorgeous upper register male vocals, especially by Brian and Carl Wilson, ever heard on a rock record. Wouldn't it be nice, God only knows, Caroline though, and Sloop John B, the last of which wasn't even originally intended to go on the album, are the well-known hits. But equally worthy are cuts as You Still Believe in Me, Don't Talk, Put Your Head on My Shoulder, I Know There's an Answer, and I Just Wasn't Made for These Times. It's often said that this is more of a Brian Wilson album than a Beach Boys recording. Session musicians played most of their parts. But it should be noted that the harmonies are pure Beach Boys and some of their best. Massively influential upon its release, although it was a relatively low seller compared to their previous albums, it immediately vaulted the band into the top level of rock innovators among the intelligentsia, especially in Britain, where it was a much bigger hit. Alright, what do we think of the Beach Boys? You know, why the hell did I just say that? Obviously, I already know what you guys think of the Beach Boys Pet Sounds. It's a, it's amazing. Yes, 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 I love yes! it. I love it. I, I love it, yes. Yeah, this, uh, I didn't even... This is awesome. Uh, I didn't Go even ahead. Know it, really know 
it existed until um not probably like a decade ago like i started i started getting all this music and um th that was when i got got into pet sounds like it's just su such a comforting album yeah and uh, if even if you haven't heard of pet sounds until you're like in your teens uh, you've You've probably at least heard, like, Wouldn't It Be Nice or God Only Knows once or twice on the radio or at a resort. Yeah. I gotta admit, I've never really thought about uh, Beach Boys as anything more than a band of its era. I guess you could say the same thing about the Beatles, and now that I think about it, that was kind of a weird way to think about a band from that era. And so being able to listen to a full album from them, and with that, one of the most more ambitious albums at that i have to say that i have i'm greatly disappointed in myself that i haven't listened to most of their music sooner yeah, there, yeah there's I... definitely a lot of hidden gems in there that uh that are definitely worth checking out uh, a few of them are the uh the title track off 1971's uh, surfs up and the uh composition by brian's uh, brother dennis wilson forever off uh, sunflower uh, those are just beautiful haunting songs i i love them and also, and also, the rest of the Surf's Up album, with the exclu exclusion of like only one song, uh, "Student Demonstration Time," and the whole uh, Holland album, I think those are some of the Beach Boys' most mature efforts. Also, uh, I'm looking under the All Music review for this album, and I love how the top used review is by a guy named Andrew Lloyd. Like, <laughs> like Andrew Weber? Lloyd Webber. It could be. <laughs> Dated July 15th, 2015. We should ask Andrew Lloyd Webber next time he gets booed at one of his premieres if he has an all-music account. Or, or, or this or this could be a, a relative of Matt from Bear. <laughs> oh, boy, that means he's homophobic. <laughs> I, I, I can't begin to think of Andrew Lloyd Webber as homophobic. Sorry. Nah. No, uh, sorry. It's really hard to uh, imagine. I wouldn't, because, like, I don't know, a lot of the characters in Cats are kind of sort of queer coded yeah well we're not talking about cats right now we're, we're talking we're not oh, talking about cinderella either yeah uh, uh cats uh cats are pets pets make sounds pet sounds <laughs> <laughs> there we got it back uh that album cover uh the of the beach boys feeding the the goats at the san diego zoo fun fact uh they got banned from the zoo later that day because uh the the zoo claimed that they were mistreating the animals or something which I, I can't really see. Like, that is stupid. Like, uh, they were just having fun. Like, yeah. Uh, it depends on their definition, I guess. Yeah. Oh my god, these, uh. I mean, it's not like, it's not like this one guy who, who fed the animals and then, like, I, I don't remember. It, it was in one of my bathroom readings. I, I'm gonna see if I can find it. I feel like, uh, the, the San Diego Zoo was like, those rocket rollers are corrupting our animals. I was just asking the penguin what's up, and he said, Gosh darn you to heck! That's when you know they've really gone off the deep end. But to, uh, to, to answer your question, oh, listener, they probably have this question. I, I love this album to death. I, I, it's probably my favorite album of 1966, and I, it's official. I think this is a better album than Revolver. I, I did it. We made our the Andrew Redemption arc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! I agree with you. I, I think this is better than Revolver. I don't think yes. it's... I personally don't think it's as good as Abbey Road, but I think this is second place. Yeah, I, I mean... Well, it's it's kind of comparing Apples and Oranges to, like, Pet Sounds and Abbey Road. Like, they're they're both yeah. phenomenal albums in their own unique ways. And for the, uh, and for the time being, we can uh, praise this album for its unique ways. 
My favorite part in this album comes in... There are too many favorite parts to count on this album, but my like one of my favorites probably like in the top five is in "You Still Believe in Me." It's like in the 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 refrain, "You still believe in," and you think it's gonna end in "You still believe in me," but instead it ends in "You still believe in me." <laughs> they, they subvert your expectations there. Yeah. Go lower. Yeah. Subverting I love your theory. expectations, kill yep. me. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's one of the best parts. You know, it's uh, one of the best parts about having perfect pitch is that you can you can catch on to these little musical intricacies as you go along. I'm still trying to find that thing. I I don't know if it even exists. Like, oh, uh, um, Romy's looking for a cover of Forever. <laughs> I mean, I must have been the John Stamos version because there was a wedding version, and uh, I don't know how to. What? I, yeah, the, I, did, for those I, listening, I the John hear... Stamos version of Forever sucks, just like the rest of the Summer in Paradise album. <laughs> but you know what doesn't yeah. suck? Pet Town. This album! I mean, I was going to say Kokomo, but yeah, this too. It's a yeah. Song. Yeah, and I know people hate on Kokomo, but I have I have warm, fuzzy feelings with that song. I don't know why. It's just a very fun song. I have a very distinct memory of Muppet Muppet version. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, there was a Muppet version of Kokomo. Uh, the, which which uh, movie was it on? It was in. It was on a hey, sing along. For some video. reason, I'm thinking it was like a advertisement before the VHS. It was on a VHS. No, and no it, was it was like the advertisement it was on, before it was the, the song, the, and the, that's oh, all I'm I remember. At, I found it. It was um uh it was on the Muppet like Beach was, Party album. It was, mm-hmm. This is included in a compilation album now available yes. on VHS or something. Yes, and it was included on the video. There was a v- music video included on Muppet Singalongs. It's not easy being green and aired on Nickelodeon. Nice. Uh, I I mentioned that Sloop John B was not originally intended to be on the album Pet Sounds, but uh Al Jardine uh discovered the Kingston Trio's version of it and he uh, showed it to Brian Wilson. Wilson loved it and he decided, "Okay, well I I want to add this song to the album." And so they added the song to the album and history was made. Yeah. yeah. It is a good song. I I mean, it's the Beach Boys doing a doing a sailor song. Yeah. What do you call it? Uh, I don't know, but uh, Sloop John B, fun fact, is my most listened to song on Spotify, which goes to really? show how, yeah, just goes to show how good it is. Followed very closely by my favorite song on the album, God Only Knows. Yes, oh my god, God Only Knows. I love That's what it. I was thinking like, of. Yes, I was introduced to the song via a music video that the BBC made, um, and it was just a bunch of people, like um, a lot of them British, uh, because um, and and there was a uh, Pharrell Williams, Elton John, Stevie Wonder, Dave Grohl, um, Sam Smith, and uh, Florence Welch, and Lord, One Direction, a lot of heavy hitters. And even Dave Grohl was there as God. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned him. Huh. Yeah, that was that was I, I had forgotten. Oh yeah, I also I also forgot like Chrissy Hine was in it. I oh, love Chrissy right. Hine. That she was, yeah. I, I I don't know when I was introduced to that song. I think it might have been through like a, a a promo for Toy Story Four, but I could be misremembering because I do remember I heard a living thing for the first time at least i think for the first time on a toy story 4 promo and i think i might have heard a god only knows on there too but i i don't know and i may never know because my memory is shot <laughs> god only knows <laughs> i guess so 
Did you know that the term progressive pop was uh, coined for this album? A UK advertisement called it the most progressive pop album ever. Uh, um, hey, I, uh, I mentioned like there's this one guy who's like uh, at this one story uh, in relation to the story about the Beach Boys petting the goat and um, getting kicked out. Um, yeah. So I, I found the story. Um, the people at the Rio Grande Zoo in Albuquerque found like a finger next to the jaguar cage, and then they they remembered like a member of the zoo was into the bathroom with his hand in his pocket and a dark stain oh. and like and they questioned him he said he wasn't missing a finger uh, but then they got a print and it was a match and he was trying to pet the jaguar and then they banned him from the zoo for life oh boy i guess when the jag when i guess the jaguar finger. was gnawing on that finger Am I right? maybe the jaguar was making sounds and um, no booing <laughs> wouldn't that be nice yeah <laughs> Imagine um, imagine how that conversation would go. Imagine how that conversation would go. You just got your finger cut off. You're banned for life. In fact, that guy should be suing the zoo for repercussions. Yeah. Just like how yeah. Brian Wilson should be suing Mike Love for repercussions. Yeah. <laughs> we come on this loop, John B. My grandfather and me. Around Nassau Town. Seventh grade, I was in a production of it's a musical theater. It's a musical theater story. It was a production of a Midsummer Night's Dream, but we themed it to to the beach. Hmm. I was I was uh, cast as one of the actors in within the play within the play. Nice. But in order to theme it with the beach, everyone got different roles. Like the fairy was was sleeping in a seashell, or the actors were just volunteers along the beach who cleaned up the beach nice but throughout the, the performance once in a while a beach boys song would play like <laughs> wouldn't it be nice would play and the main couple are walking along the beach all happy and stuff then the other couple the woman's trying to run over to the guy and the guy's just trying to run away from her but it's all in slow motion <laughs> oh wouldn't it be nice <laughs> da, 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 da. picturing that in my head and i'm loving it I, I think I remember the first time I heard Wouldn't It Be Nice was either in a Little Mermaid YouTube poop or uh, in an episode of Seinfeld, the, the Hamptons specifically. Huh. Mm. I, I was just reminded of, like, uh, in an earlier episode, I mentioned uh, uh, somebody did their nativity play, but it was themed around the Beach Boys. And so it, it had Mary singing God Only Knows and then, like, the wise men who were modeled after the Wilson brothers sang fun, fun, fun and good vibrations <laughs> for the baby Jesus. I, I'm trying to remember what episode you said that in, but I can't. Eh, it could have been a the, long time ago. It, it was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, um, but anyway, uh, you know, this album has, it, it, it's got its 
own flaws not everything is in pace with each other and uh it's it's a it's it's the production of the time obviously but still but even so brian wilson has gone on record saying that he would not change a single note on this album and mike love has gone on note saying don't fuck with the formula brian yeah, <laughs> yeah. he is a problematic person <laughs> I'll just say it up front. Never really into Brian's artsy aspirations, even though he did help him uh, cater them to the pop circuit. And uh, the song we're listening to right now, I Know There's an Answer, uh, Mike Love forced Brian to change the lyrics in a way that makes the entire song almost not work. Because, like, one of the... The, the original song was called Hang On To Your Ego, and it was about, like, ego death through drug use. And Nightglove was like, Now, I don't want my music being associated with drugs. I want it associated with cars. I assume that's what he sounds like. <laughs> so, he, I, I wonder what um, I wonder what you think of Lightning McQueen. I, I don't know, but I'm still continuing the Hang On To Your Ego story. Uh... I, I forgot what the uh, chorus to hang on to your ego was, but the very first line is, I know so many people who think they can do it alone. And the chorus is, I know there's an answer, but I have to find it by myself. <laughs> oh, Mike Love, just... you, you. Mike Love! <laughs> I'm shaking my f at you, Mike Love, you. I knew you do. <laughs> Mike Love. A monster. He. Arnett, why does this song? You know, song what? is just so good, though. Yeah, and that's the that's the problem. The song is too good to give it any less than a nine and a half. But like, Mike Love has done so many uh, bad things. He is he was he treated Brian Wilson and Dennis Wilson horribly. He he turned the Beach Boys into like commercial sellouts. He assassinated Abraham Lincoln. He he conquered Poland. He he destroyed my love life. Mike Love, what else did Mike Love do? He, 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 sunk, the, he sunk the Titanic. He poisoned our water supply, burned our crops, and delivered a plague unto our houses. <laughs> yeah, he sure did. He also he also killed the last surviving white rhinoceros. He, he, he should be called Mike Hate, because that's all he does. He hates. I showed him my Pink Floyd collection, and he destroyed it, because he hates it, because he's Mike Hate. And yet... <laughs> And, and, he, and yet, Mike Love still persists that this album is a masterpiece. A masterpiece he was against with from the get-go because it wasn't about driving cars or surfing. Dude, it should be no I mean... worth noting that, that uh, Dennis Wilson, Brian's brother, was the guy most associated with the Beach Boys lifestyle. He was the one who was out surfing and driving and getting the girls. And he was also the best-looking guy of the band. And uh, when Dennis Wilson decided he wanted to start writing his own personal songs like Brian, Mike Love was like, No! You write songs about cars and surfing! That is it! <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Mike, he's, Mike he's Love go. did a lot of things. He shot Archduke he's Franz the, Ferdinand. He's like the equivalent of the, of the, um, of those stupid CEOs. Like, the, uh, the ones that, like, I don't know, the ones that canceled... Mike Love canceled the Owl House. <laughs> Mike Love stabbed Marcy. Oh no! <laughs> no! What else? I cannot confirm anything that you he guys. He ate are my saying. homework. <laughs> That's true. Mike Love did eat my homework. Well, he, made my, he he made me experience high tide. Oh! <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> yeah, but Mike you know Love is bubble buddy confirmed. But uh, the greatest thing that Mike Love ever did was be, was be cousin to Brian Wilson. 
And do you want to know what uh, Brian Wilson did a lot of great things aside from Pet Sounds, including the uh, Smile album. Smile was intended to be the Pet Sounds uh, sequel, but Mike Love, surprise, surprise, hated it, did not understand it, and shelved it. He did allow a few songs to be released, scattered through each album, but like Brian Wilson to sit for decades, sad because his, what was probably going to be his magnum opus just would not get released because it didn't fit in with each boy's tone. Now, on, now the good news is, the good news is in like the 21st century, uh, Brian Wilson re-recorded Smile with his band and he started performing it live along with the full Pet Sounds album and like, it's just, it's just really great to hear that Brian Wilson, a man who was just abused by like oh, his oh. his father and his cousin throughout the 60s, he he was finally he's finally out there doing the things <sighs> oh he loves. God. Wait, he in um like I I just remember this is what like Lockhart was referencing when like Dewey was in his weird artsy phase. Yeah, that's and, and I noticed that too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's rumored that Brian Wilson composed the entirety of Smile in a Sandbox. Yeah. yeah they were referencing that when like um when Dewey was on the trampoline for like a day or so. Yep. <laughs> and I, I we've got to revisit Lockhart maybe for your birthday episode next year. Despite this album being called Pet Sounds, there was only one instance of actual pet sounds on the album. Uh, is it like the very end? Yep, it's the very end of Carolina, where the dogs are barking, and then there's just this giant train just passing, and the dogs bark again. And if I'm being honest, that is a very creepy way to end the album. Yeah, yeah. it, it, it wears me out when I, when I hear the song on Spotify on my shelf. I was like, I, I just keep having to remember that that's like that weird ending. Oh, yeah, it's like when Sgt. Pepper ended with like the the dog whistle and the... And never um, could be then, any other way, never could be any other Wait, yeah. Yeah, that! that. Oh, yeah. Fun fact, if you reverse that, you'll hear, We'll all be back as Superman. We'll all be back as Superman. Which is not what they meant. It was. It's just reversed garble. Also, uh, I realized something this week that I had no idea. I had no idea before I, I heard this. And, like, I still can't believe that it actually... This actually is something that happens on this album. But you, you, you want to know who's on this album? Glenn Ooh. Campbell. Rhinestone oh! Cowboy Glenn Campbell. Wichita Lineman Glenn yeah! Campbell. Chanticleer Rockadoodle Glenn Campbell. Really? Yep. Oh my god. He plays occasional banjo and guitar on some of the albums. You can hear him the most on I Know There's an Answer. He plays the banjo middle section with the bass harmonica solo. Which... <laughs> By the way, um... Yeah, which is awesome. I was gonna say that... I thought about it, and I want to say that there is technically two animal noises on this album, if you include horse clops. Oh, that's right. Oh, uh, that leads me to my next thing. Uh, did you know that Brian Wilson wanted to bring his brother Carl's pet horse in the studio so we could get those clops? And it, and when, like, uh, the producer, well, not the producer, but, like, the studio guys were like, Brian, it's a horse. Brian was like, yeah, I know. Can we get him in? <laughs> <laughs> So I think that so that was funny. Also, the I I'm trying to find the names of Brian Wilson's dogs that were at the end of Carolina, but I just want to know they did they did great jobs. They were really good dogs. And I mentioned while you looked that up that what's strange about the song that we're listening to right now is Pet Sounds, the title track, and there's no words to it. It's all just really nice pet 
These are just all really nice sounds compiled together. But yeah. from doing my own research, apparently he was trying. He was inspired by James Bond. I did not hear that at all. Not inspired by James Bond. No, not inspired by James Bond. This was supposed to be a James Bond song. Huh. I do not hear that. Yeah, maybe. So maybe uh, the dogs' it. names are Banana and Louie. Thank you, Banana and Louie. You have great names. And uh, while we're on the subject, the two instrumentals on this album are nothing to scoff at. Uh, first, there's Let's Go Away for a While, which it has a nice breezy uh, title. And it starts out just as breezy, but then it, it gets it gets depressing. Like, there's like a loneliness, like an allogging to the, the music that Brian Wilson just composes perfectly. And then there's Pet Sounds, which is just as tropical and exotic throughout the entire piece. But... There's an underlying emptiness throughout the entirety of it. Mm, yeah. I do hear, I do hear that. So I, it, I looked it up. Especially after it comes after I just wasn't made for these times. If it, if it came after I know there's an yeah. answer, maybe it wouldn't be as empty. But I think I think this album is amazingly tracked. It it, it hits you yeah. right when it needs to. Yeah. Apparently the, uh, the original looking title for Pet Sounds was Run James Run. Mm. And it was... A suggestion being that it would be offered to be used in a James Bond movie. Hmm, very interesting. Um, <laughs> I find it weird that Caroline No was the first uh, so single off this album. Very weird because it is the most depressing song, not just on the entire album, but probably in all of pop existence. Not the most depressing, but it is up there. Yeah, followed closely by... Uh, on B a couple weeks later and in the summertime wouldn't it be nice and god only knows mm, i i think the first place i heard caroline no was like a cover by glenn fry of all people i thought you were gonna say glenn campbell <laughs> no it'd be it'd be interesting though if glenn campbell just uh covered one of the songs of this album on one of his albums although we'll never know i guess that would have been like kind of interesting yeah I mean, he did. He did do. do a, I, I think he did do a cover of. Um, what, oh yeah, he did do a cover of "These Days" by Nico, whom we touched upon last week. And was uh, written or, by Jackson Brown. Yeah. I can't fathom Nico and Jackson Brown in the same vicinity. I just can't. Just as how I can't imagine Brian Wilson and Glenn Campbell in the same vicinity. But, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad that uh, Brian Wilson and Glenn Campbell were in the same vicinity for this album. Thank you. Yeah, uh, and I mentioned that uh, the Beach Boys barely did any, like, actual music on this album. They did the harmonies, but the music was done by what is known as the Wrecking Crew, which is a, a big group of session musicians in the Los Angeles area. Glenn Campbell was among this Wrecking Crew, apparently. That was the famous uh, dr drummer Hal Blaine and uh, the famous drummer Jim Gordon, who would later join Eric Clapton's band uh, Derek and the Dominoes. We did touch on uh, Jim Gordon earlier on the podcast and how he did something very unfortunate with his mother. Uh, I don't remember uh, that. Yeah, uh, it was like in the 80s. Actually, you know what? No, I'm not going to talk about what Jim Gordon did. It's it's still very upsetting. I'd rather talk about what Mike Love did, because even though it's upsetting, uh, at least I, I don't get violently as angry as what Jim Gordon did. So, yeah. Also, I'm playing the, al the uh, album again, because it just ended, and it's so good that it just has to be heard again. 
Wouldn't it be nice as an 11 out of 10, in my opinion? Uh, the 11 out of 10 for me is God only knows, but the, almost all of them are 10 out of 10 out songs for me, with the exception of I Know There's an Answer, but that's only because Mike Love forced Brian Wilson to change the lyrics. <laughs> also, we should we should also definitely mention uh, Brian Wilson's writing partner on this album, Tony Asher. He, he co-wrote, like, almost all the songs on here, and he did a really good job. And, uh... Uh, Paul, you said that I'm Waiting for the Day turns one of your least favorite rom-com cliches into something good. Uh, would you like to elaborate on that? Oh, of course. So, uh, the song is particularly about... Wait, what's the song that you asked me about again? Uh, I'm Waiting for the Day. I'm Waiting for the Day. I'm Waiting for the Day is a song about... Is this when rom-com that the girl that's, that's just getting... It's just done with the breakup and... The guy friend's like, oh no, that's terrible. And he puts his arm around her shoulder. And <laughs> the whole episode is just him trying to, the whole series maybe is about him trying to. Trying to get the score. <laughs> get her to love him. Yeah. Yeah, trying to get the score. And then eventually, and then eventually the guy comes back and attempts to get the girl back. And he has to finally stand like. Did you really think I was going to let you go that easily? Blah, blah, blah. And then. Yeah, and I'm looking. Uh, God Only Knows was featured in Love Actually, Boogie Nights, the Scooby Doo movie. What the and, hell? Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't remember that scene. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, remember that scene where Scooby Doo dies in Shaggy's arms and then Shaggy sings God Only Knows to bring Scooby Doo back to life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, Paul. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, and yeah, and it also inspired uh, Here, There, and Everywhere. Um, Paul McCartney heard, his, heard the song, really went home, and wrote the song with John Lennon, Here, There, and Everywhere. Yeah, and on the subject of Revolver, I still think it is an absolute masterpiece of an album. I just think that sense is better. Yeah. Same. Also, speaking of Here, uh, Here Today is, a, is another standout song for me, because it deals on the subject of wanting to get too intimate with someone fast and guess also yeah. guess what uh mike love is the only uh lead singer on this song and you make me and you think wouldn't this mean you have to give it like a nine then well no because it's still brian wilson's lyrics i bet mike love was seething like why am i singing this shit that means something <laughs> i want to sing something that means nothing <laughs> in terms of songs that are trying to give advice on love i think it might be better than billy joel's tell her about it Maybe. I, Maybe. I, well, I'm a Billy fan, and I still haven't heard that song in its full yet. Tell her about it. No, I, I, I have the Innocent the, Man album, but I haven't heard that song in its full yet because I don't know why. I do know how the, it goes. Uh, I do know how it goes, though, but I just haven't heard it in its full. It helped to inspire the Doctor Doofenshmirtz song. Talk to him. I did always mm. think it sounded like a Phineas and Ferb song with those horns. Yeah, it's from um, the from the episode where the with the polar bear.
official recording registry in 2004, which is only like the third year of it. Well, um, at least it, they didn't wait until 2021 where it got indicted with the likes of Shrek. Um, that's the National Recording Registry. Um, yeah. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I still, mean, it, my, it was indicted I, along the likes of the Rainbow Connection and nice. uh, Janet Jackson. Uh, the I think the one song we haven't touched on is uh, "That's Not Me," which uh, it wasn't as immediate as the rest of the songs were on this album for me, but. Uh, it is a song, a very important song that deals with, yeah, I, I'm an adult now and I'm going to go, I'm going to face the world. And then I'm, and then like two verses later, he's like, I am not fit for this shit. I feel like this is going to hit a lot harder once I get a, into graduate college. Yeah. That's what you said in your notes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. As of recording this, I'm not, I'm going to be starting graduate college in a couple weeks. But until then. I feel on. like the, uh, the biggest miss for this, uh, album was that on that's not me uh the the lyric i miss my pad should have been i miss my pet therefore uniting all the pet sounds albums songs oh my god (laughs) 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 pet sounds 2 electric boogaloo coming next year (laughs) coming to disney plus in sometime between now and never In 1966, uh, this album went to number two in the UK, but only number ten in the US. Which kind of goes to show that the, the UK, the British people like art better than they do Americans. Uh, mm. I don't think you're off the hook just yet, Romy. In 1972, this album peaked at 40 for the 100 albums. Mm. So at least it's in the above half. I'm running out of steam of stuff to say, but I still want to pad out the episode. Uh, it sold six hundred. Uh, got... It sold six hundred thousand units in the UK and a million in the US. Despite this, it is two times platinum in the UK, while it's only one times platinum in the US. Mm. Go ahead, Paul. Okay, uh, just to pad out the time, uh, Caroline, no, could could this secretly, accidentally be a reference to the stop motion masterpiece Coraline and. Someone should make a Coraline No parody fit song. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they call you Coraline when your name is obviously Caroline. <laughs> oh my god, like, we, we need to get, like, um, whoever was in um, that the movie Coraline. Obviously it was Coraline. To do it. Um, I saw uh, Coraline theaters recently. It was re-released. Then the theaters, all the theaters were so packed up that they had to extend the re-release run <laughs> yeah um i do want to mention something uh today is al jardine's 81st birthday so happy birthday al jardine ah, happy, hey. birthday. Yeah. happy birthday yeah he, he did uh, great on this also album. beyonce's birthday so happy birthday to her yep. I, I just because she's the queen of, yep uh, and al, al jardine is the, is the king the king of beach boys and brian wilson is the emperor uh, Al Jardine does uh, leads on uh, the verses on I Know There's an Answer, but you can hear him better on uh, their hit Help Me Rhonda, where he sings all the leads. So, And I also did want to mention that uh, Don't Talk, Put Your Head on My Shoulder is absolutely beautiful. And it does it does kind of sound like a, a, a lullaby, a father consoling his son, as you said, Paul. Yeah, it is. It is very beautiful. It's also probably my least favorite song on the album. Sorry. No, that, that's fair. <laughs> There is no lesser song on this album. It's, it's a cohesive Weakest whole. song. That's, yeah. yeah. It's the weaker song. 
Yeah. It's the, the least. The strings are absolutely it. amazing to me. I just think it's a little bit boring, a little teensy mm. bit. I kind of felt the same thing when I when I I'm being honest. When I first heard this album, like February of 2020, I did not get it. Like I I listened to it when my parents were getting ready for a Mardi Gras party. I just uh, I I I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was like masterpiece levels or anything. But a couple months later, I revisited it and I was like, holy shit, this is art. <laughs> And, li- and it and it literally is art. Like Brian Wilson composed the this pet pet sounds to be pop music you listen to, not dance to. Like, and he did an amazing job, if if you ask me, and pretty much anyone else. And uh, it should also be mentioned that uh, Beach Boys helped coin progressive, and uh, this this album was very important in shaping progressive pop. Along with progressive rock, George Martin, the Beatles' famed producer, has gone on record for saying if there was no Pet Sounds, there would be no Sgt. Peppers. And those two albums practically birthed progressive rock with their classical pop rock uh, fusion. Without these two albums, we wouldn't have the Moody Blues, Days of Future Past, or King Crimson's In the Court of the Crimson King, two watershed prog rock albums. So, thank you, Brian Wilson. You did... You you did so much in for us for for music. You we we can't even begin to uh, thank you. Yeah. I I can't believe Brian Wilson just woke up and one day and said, "Hey, I'm gonna write the greatest album of all time." He did it. Yeah, it's like how Jim Henson walked in one day and said, "I want to make a children's show that brings about world peace," and that's how and the, and that's why we have Fraggle Rock. It also reminds me of this time this kid walked into that- Nickelodeon studio and said, "Hey, I want to write a theme to your uh, Ren and Stimpy show," and he got rejected. And that kid's name was Kurt Cobain, and that's how Nirvana started. <laughs> oh. That is an actual story, by the way. It is claimed that Kurt Cobain like waltzed into Nickelodeon to write the Ren and Stimpy song, was rejected. Wow, that is that is wild. Anyway, uh, Jamie just wants everyone to know that she she couldn't make this episode because she is trapped in the shadow realm called Boston. She wants. That sounds fucking <laughs> rules. So this is not Isaiah. Yeah. Wait, did you just say Isaiah? <laughs> did you? <laughs> Isaiah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, Jamie loves her adoring public. <laughs> she gave this a ten out of ten. Well deserved. Would I giving it a ten out of ten too? Because how can I just not? It, the production is of the time. Uh, it, it does sound like something made in 1966. But even so, the uh, the songs on here are just absolutely timeless. The the words, the, the lyrics, the, the the musical, the the composition. I'm just gonna say all these nouns to to make myself seem more intelligent than I am. <laughs> uh, I would recommend this to a theater kid twice. Yeah. Yes. Same. This is definitely. A great song, no matter who you are. I remember reading a comment on a on the YouTube video of the full album, and it said, "I am a punk rocker, and this is my favorite album." Well, yeah. there you go. <laughs> it it transcends genre. Like even though the primary genre of this album is baroque pop, people debate what the actual genre is. They've they've been debating about that for years, and they still haven't come to a concrete conclusion. Mm-hmm. I assume pop is in there somewhere. Yeah, there. This is a pure pop album. There really is no rock, except for like on "That's Not Me," and that's okay. It's, um, yeah. but, but I, I I'd give it a ten as well because it's just probably the most perfect thing ever made in music. Well, 
if we're going by pop standards, uh, I mean, Bach and Beethoven still exist, and so does uh, Miles Davis's Kind of Blue. But I, I would say those are like, all of those are just as perfect as Pet Sounds. And uh, Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here. Those are just un- untouchable. Yeah. And I give I... it a 10 out of 10. What, what, what musical would be the perfect one? Probably one of the older ones. Like I would I, I would honestly they, say great. Because I'm not a theater kid nerd, I wouldn't know all about the what is considered the quote-unquote greatest uh, musical of all time. But speaking as someone who's only listened to a few musicals on this podcast and outside this podcast, I would say it's a tie between Town or Great Comet. Probably Town. I, I figured, like... Uh, I, I figure Les Mis is up there. Yeah, I it guess. To say I yeah, I'd say Hades Town and Les Misérables are probably the two uh, quote-unquote most perfect musicals out there. Me, in my state that I have listened to Hades Town and not Les Mis, I would prefer Hades Town as like the best musical. And uh, because Isaiah is not here to give a contrary opinion, this is a ten out of ten album. Yeah. Huzzah. <laughs> I I do want to note though that his on his rate your music page he gave this album a seven, but I'm not gonna put it. <laughs> Did you hear that? It's not here. Yep. <laughs> Just like that next to normal song. He's not here. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, Superboy and the Invisible Girl. Yeah. Or more like Supergirl and the Invisible Boy. Yes, Isaiah. <laughs> burn, sick burn. Yeah. Um. And guess what? This album is considered one of the earliest examples of a concept album. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What? Yep. <laughs> yep. And it's a... Uh, I wouldn't say it's an, an exact concept album, but the songs do have themes that flow in each other. Kind of like a, a song cycle, a Schubertian song cycle. And, I, I, and I'm and i counting that. Happy Depression? Yes. <laughs> So yes, we get to do a musical for next week. Yeah. But which one is the question? Because there was one that I wanted to do for like an upcoming event that it was like next weekend. But then uh, something terrible did just happen. Uh, a, a great singer, songwriter and artist and musician, Jim, Jimmy Buffett, did just pass away on the night of September 1st, 2023. And it, it just, it took me by storm, like. I, cu- I just couldn't believe that this, this, this would happen. And I didn't really know what to do after that. So what, what was I going to do? Was I going to have to move that musical another week so I could do the Jimmy Buffett musical, Escape to Margaritaville? Well, guess what? That's exactly what I did. So for the, oh. first, so for the first time oh. in Rock of Ages history, we are going to do two theater albums in a row without, oh. without stop. And you might be saying, might okay. be breaking the rules, but you know what? I don't care because I am the host of the podcast. I make up the rules as I go. So the uh... think of it this way. Think of it this way, listeners. If if you don't consider this album a concept album, you can consider Escape to Margaritaville a concept album, <laughs> and then it'll work its way through. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> so next week we will be looking at Escape to Margaritaville in in honor of the great. It. And the week after that, we will be looking at another musical, and that musical is Come From Away. Oh my Heck god! Yeah! Heck yeah! Okay, thank you. I may not always love you.
But long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be without you. Good boy.